0: Thanks, Maddie. How you guys doing tonight? Good. All right. Um, I'm actually going to come down here. Can you guys still see me if I'm if I'm down here? Can you see me? Is that all right? Okay. Um, I like to be with with the people. Okay. Um, can I try that one more time? How are you guys doing tonight? Okay. Y'all you are like in junior high. You still got energy, right? Like 9pm means nothing to you, right? Like you, you got your hype for a few more hours. Am I right? Okay, like Maddie said, uh, my name's Austin. Uh, I hail from sunny San Diego. Uh, I brought my buddy Scott with me. He's in the back. So if you see me or Scott around, make sure you stop us in our tracks. Say hello. Tell me what your name is. I'd love to hear your story this weekend and where you come from. Um, and at, back at home, I, I showed you a few pictures here, but this is my family. This is my wife, Paige, and my daughter, Piper. They are blue. No, just kidding. Um, that's that's my wife, Paige, there on the left, and then the, the little one there is Piper, um, this, they're the best. I just, she's about 16 months old. I have a little video for you guys. Check this out. She just like, just started talking. Um. <laughs> Do you like the goat's Piper? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. That is the best. She's probably pooping right there. Um, and then, uh, one more photo for you here. Okay, I'm training her up in the way a child should go. She's a Raiders fan already. So sorry for any football fans out here. Um, Are you guys all New England Patriots fans? No, absolutely not. Buccaneers, oh, you you went with Tom Brady. Okay, some of you, controversial, (laughs) he betrayed us. He was passionate, okay, that's fair, that's fair. Um, But y'all, I'm stoked to be with you guys uh, here this weekend. Uh, I love Hume. Are you kidding me? Like, look at this set. There's a giant mushroom up here behind us. This place is nuts. Um, I I live in San Diego now, but I didn't always live there like my daughter in that video. Um, My my family was like big animal lovers. We grew up down in South America. Uh, I spent most of my life down there for about 11 years, and we had a ton of animals. So we had like dogs and cats like your your normal things but then we had two parrots that we named dumb and dumber like you do and i promise you these parrots knew when i could sleep in when i could sleep in they woke up early and were squawking and then when i had to get up early is like they those were the nights they would sleep in or those were the mornings they would be like snoozing through late in the morning but then one day uh, my dad came home with a monkey and we had a little tiny pet monkey that we named chime which in one of the local tribal languages there means monkey, right? We were very creative children. We had a monkey named monkey, but my house was kind of chaotic. We had four kids. I'm the youngest of four. Where are my youngest at? Youngest, youngest, youngest. Hey, whoa. Hey, oh, okay. Um, and then uh, I loved being the youngest. My parents felt like they learned on all the older siblings, right? By the time they got to me, they had it all figured out and just left me alone. It was great. My allowance was higher than theirs. It was just, it's great to be the youngest, right? Youngest kids. You're like, yeah, maybe. Okay. All right. Uh, but yeah, Hume, Hume play has played a big role in my life. I actually met my wife up at Hume um, in California. We worked up there and then I love coming back to this place and just seeing these dramas and these bands are always awesome and it's just good to be here. And what, I, what I'm excited for this weekend is that I'm confident that as we open up this book, right, if you, do you have your Bibles with you? If you have your Bible with you, let me see it. Put it up in the, air. let me see it, let me see it. Hey, yo, okay, a lot of you have it. Uh, as we dive into this book, right, Hume is awesome. I love this place, the stage, the snow, right, the, the tube run that you guys get to go down, the escape room that you'll go through tomorrow afternoon. Like this, this place is incredible. But what I want to challenge you with is as we open up this book, as we have these times of, of worship through music, I'm confident that there is a God that desires to meet you here this weekend, right? And as 12 uh, year olds, 13 year olds, 14 year olds maybe in this room, and where are my 12 year olds at? 12, 13, 14, did I miss anybody? Yes, 11, hey oh, the big one, one, okay. As, you, as you're in this room, right, the, the, the world might look at you and go, well, they're just, they're just junior hires, right? They're just, just give them time to grow up. Give them time to mature, right? They're just going to throw snow at each other and mess around all weekend. Right? I, I work with junior high and high school students back in California, and here's what I'm confident of. Y'all, y'all aren't kids, right? and, I, and this weekend, my commitment to you is that I'm going to treat you like adults, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge you and I'm gonna encourage you like adults because your leaders do the same thing. And, and, I, and the reason I'm gonna do that is because this weekend I'm confident that some of you are gonna make some adult decisions. And as we walk through God's word and as we worship through music this weekend, my challenge for you and my encouragement is don't miss what God has for you. I believe wholeheartedly that this weekend, the God of the universe, the God of the Bible that we read, the God that we just worship through music that his desire is to meet with you. And I believe that every one of us has a divine appointment with that God this weekend. And my challenge is don't miss it. I I promise you we're gonna have fun. As you go down the tube run, as we play broom hockey, there's gonna be a lot of fun to be had this weekend. But my hope is that as you go home, which we will in like 48 hours, which is nuts, right? Like winter camp is quick. But as we go home, my challenge and my encouragement, my invitation is that as you get off the bus or the van or the car or whatever you came in, that when you're asked about camp, that it wouldn't just be, oh, I had fun. That it wouldn't just be, oh, I I went down the tube run a bunch. It wouldn't just be about broom hockey, but that you would be able to tell the story of how you encountered the God of the universe. So if you take this Bible right here, I want you to open up to the book of Jonah if you're not there already. Um, If you can't find it, your Bible has this nifty table of contents in the beginning with page numbers. Jonah in my Bible is on page 1051. Is that helpful to anybody? Anybody just turn, no? No page numbers? Oh. My man, I'm sorry, okay. But if you just turn up into the Old Testament, you find a big book called Psalms, keep flipping to the right or turn to that table of contents, you'll find that book of Jonah. And and here's what I wanna let you in on on this book, okay? I don't know what you, what you came here to camp with. I don't know your background. I don't know your whole story. But whether you were the, the church kid, whether you're the church kid that has, you've kind of been at the church since you were born and you went all the way through children's ministry and now you're here in junior high ministry and you've been to camp before and you've been to church for your entire life. If, if that's your story or maybe this is your first camp experience right? Maybe you're relatively new to this whole Bible thing and, and worship music. Wherever you fall on that spectrum, hey, this, this book right here, hey, this is the greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told in its entirety. Hey, this book, 66 different books written by 40 different authors written over a span of 1,500 years on three continents in three languages. It tells one great story. That Genesis through Revelation, this isn't just a book about what we have to do to get to God, this is an incredible story of what God has done to get to us. Hey, This book is powerful. It is living and active. That this book right here, if we allow it this weekend, if we lean in and we listen as we encounter God's word, we're not just gonna open the pages to a book that we're actually gonna, gonna hear from and understand the God behind this book, who he is and his character, and here's what, here's what I want to invite you into, and we're going to say this in every single chapel. This is not just a story about what happened once upon a time, this is a story about what happens. Okay? so I, I want you to say that with me. This is not just a story about what happened, it's a story about what happens. okay and here's what I mean as we open up this story and read it in the book of Jonah, hey okay, these are historical facts this happened this isn't just allegory this isn't a story to teach you a lesson about life these are real historical facts but when we open up this book we're not just reading about things that happened in the past we're reading about a god that continues to deal with people today as he dealt with people back then so when we understand something about his character and who he is that's not just a god that existed back then this is a god who is alive today so that when we worship him When we open up this book and understand more about him, we can bank on the fact that who he was then is who he is today. Because this isn't just a story about what happened, it's a story about what happens. Good, okay? Jonah chapter one, verse one, says this, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Okay? If you have a pen with you or a pencil or something to write with, here's what I encourage you to do. Okay? In Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, I want you to circle a few words for me. The word of the Lord came, circle that word came, to Jonah, son of Amittai, go, circle that, circle that word go, to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness came up against me. Circle that word preach for me. Hey, three times here in two verses, we're going to see three action words in this book. Okay? We're going to see the word come, we're going to see the word go, we're going to see the word preach. The word of the, word, the, word, word of the Lord came to Jonah. Okay? Pause right there. If you've been around the Bible for a long time, like me, right? I grew up going to church, I grew up in Sunday school, Uh, My family was missionaries down in South America. It's really easy to open up your Bible and to hear a story like Jonah, and and maybe you've seen veggie tales before. Is that a thing out here? Y'all have veggie tales? Okay, sweet. Bob the tomato, Larry the cucumber, all that jazz. Okay, you've seen the veggie tales. You've heard the story. Maybe you went to Sunday school. It's really easy to hear a story like this and go like, mm, mm mm-hmm, Jonah, for sure. Know this story, heard it before, swallowed by a whale, spit back out, like for sure. And if you haven't heard it, sorry, spoiler alert, okay? Maybe I just ruined it for you. But like Maddie said, read it for yourself this week. Read this story. It's a crazy story, but it's really easy to read verses like this and just kind of breeze over them. Hey, but here's what I want you to see the word of the Lord came to Jonah he said, go to Nineveh and preach. Hey, this is a God that three times in two verses is going to pursue his people. Hey, God is a God that pursues. And when we understand that the Bible is not just a story about what happened, the Bible is a story about what happens. When we hear and understand that God is a God that pursues, we can bank on the fact that God is still a God that pursues, that he always has been a God that pursues, and he will continue to be a God that pursues. Hey, so when I say I'm confident that God has a divine appointment for every single one of us this weekend, I can open up Jonah and understand about this God's character and understand who he is. We can go all the way back to the beginning in, in a book called Genesis. That in Genesis chapter 3, when sin, brokenness first entered into the picture, there was a, a God in the garden and then there was a guy named Adam and a girl named Eve. And when they sinned against that God, you know what the first question he asked was? He said, where are you? Yeah, but here's a beautiful moment, okay? The God of the universe who can be in all places at one time. He is present everywhere, who knows all things, who is all powerful. I promise you he didn't lose Adam and Eve, right? Can you imagine that moment that God creates a man and he's like, bam, I created a man. And then he goes, boom, whoa, man, okay? Created you too. And then he comes back into the garden. He's like, shoot, I left him right here. When God asks the question "Where are you?" He's not asking that question because He lost them. No, this is a this is a relational cry, right? This is the moment, like, how many of you have siblings? Hey, this is the moment where your parents ask you like a rhetorical question, like maybe you hit your sibling and they have like your handprint on their face, and and you your parents look at you and they go, "Did you hit your sister?" They're not asking the question, like, did you actually strike your, your, your sister? Did you actually, like, did that happen? No, like, this is a question of your parents going, like, did this happen? But they already know the answer to that. It's a relational cry. Does that make sense? It's like when you have cookie all over your face, and they're like, did you eat that cookie that I told you not to? And you're like, no. <laughs> and you got, like, crumbs all over your face. No, God knew the answer to this question, but do you know why he asked this? It's because this is the first time that sin entered into the picture and God in his perfection and Adam and Eve, when they had this perfect relationship with him, when they chose something that wasn't within the perfect realm of that relationship, God's going, what happened? Where are you? See, God is a God that pursues and sin is this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Sin is any thought, word, action or attitude that goes against God's plan for your life. Hey sin is any thought, word, action or attitude that goes against God's design for your life. Hey, when, when this when sin when brokenness entered into the picture in the very beginning These thoughts, words, actions, and attitudes that went against God's design, Adam and Eve were able to choose their own way. They were able to choose autonomy. They said, we want to do life our way instead of doing life your way. And because of that decision, because of that action, we see the ripple effects thousands and thousands of years later, right? It's not hard to look around and see brokenness in the world. You, you scroll through TikTok for a little bit. You scroll through Instagram for a little bit. You turn on the news for half a second. You Google anything. It's not hard to look around and see that there's brokenness in our world, right? Okay, like, how, how many of you have little siblings, like little guys or cousins or little people that you hang around? I have. Okay, I have thirteen nephews and nieces now, and they're all under the age of eight. Okay, my siblings are just wild. Okay, and when we're when we're all together, like we were, like we were this last Thanksgiving we were hanging out and all of a sudden I looked over and I got two of my nephews and they're playing with these trucks. And as they're playing with trucks, like little kids do, hey, there was like a whole bucket and it had like 57 different trucks in it. And as they're playing, my, my, one of my nephews, Alexander, was playing, just making like truck noises, like, you know, playing, whatever. And then the other nephew walks over and completely ignores the bucket that now has 56 trucks left in it. And he goes straight for the one in Alexander's hand and he grabs it and he says the word, mine, okay? Mine, okay? And here's the thing about my siblings. My siblings, they're not perfect, but they're pretty good parents, okay? And no parent sits their kid down and goes, okay, listen, um, Ethan, I want you to understand when Alexander, your cousin, is playing with trucks and there's 56 other ones, here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk over, I want you to snag the truck that's in your cousin's hand and then I want you to scream mine. And then when they watch that happen and, and Ethan walks over and smashes it out of Alexander's hand, it's not like my, pa- my siblings are sitting there going, oh, cute. <laughs> exactly like we taught them. No, y'all, like no parent teaches that, right? Like that just, that happens. And the wild thing about being a new parent to Piper is watching sin nature happen in a little one and go, I didn't teach her that. I, mean, I didn't teach her when I tell her no to get that like little coy look in her eye and do exactly what I told her not to. And I go, ooh, sin in the flesh. Like you watch it happen in little kids, and it's bizarre. It is the weirdest thing to watch happen because no one taught that. But friends, if we're being honest with ourselves, we are the same way. We just get better at hiding it, right? Like at 11, 12, 13, 14, if I said any thought, word, action, or attitude that fundamentally goes against God's design for your life and I just asked you, okay, for the last two weeks, can I hook up a little machine to your head? What's your name? Sophie, Sophie that's my, what's one of my nieces' names? Um, and I just hook up a machine to your head and I go, okay, Sophie, I'm gonna take your thoughts, every word you've spoken, uh, all of your actions and every single attitude you've had for the last two weeks we're just gonna project it up on this screen, okay? Sophie would go, oh, actually, no, thank you, (laughs) right? Like, none of us would sign up for that. None of us would go, ooh, pick me, right? We wouldn't put our thoughts, words, actions, attitudes up on the screen, why? Because we all have that same exact sin or brokenness within us. Hey, but as we start reading this story and understand that God is a God that pursues, and He says, Where are you? And th- there's this brokenness and this sin that's present inside of us. We start to understand the heart of God, and we also start to understand our heart. That our heart is fundamentally not aligned with God's heart. That there's this brokenness inside of us, and there's a reason that God needs to pursue. In in that same Thanksgiving trip, my little niece, uh, Emma, we were hanging out and when you're an uncle or an aunt, are any of you already uncles and aunts? Like one of those, yeah, my man. Oh, like a lot of you. Wow, that's surprising. Okay, when you become an uncle and aunt and you uncles and aunts in the room, you'll understand this. There's this cool thing that happens where you're not their parent and so you don't have a lot of responsibility. So you gotta get to be the fun uncle or the fun aunt. You kind of get to sit back and watch the chaos unfold and then step in when it's fun and then step out when it's not fun. It's the beauty of being an uncle or an aunt. And so I'm sitting there watching my niece Emma, and I'm like hanging out watching her. And my, my, my little niece Emma's obsessed with the color pink. And so I'm sitting back watching her, and she's in her little like princess outfit. They live out on a farm. And so she's wearing um, like these bedazzled pink cowboy boots or cowgirl boots, like you do, and these pink pants and a pink shirt. And she's got like pink ribbons in her hair. And she's this cutie little uh, blonde, like bright, bright bleach blonde wearing all pink, and she just, Emma, the thing about Emma is she feels everything very passionately. And so it's, it's all like what Emma wants, when Emma wants it, how Emma wants it. Do you know anybody like that? Yeah. Okay, cool. And so Emma's doing her thing, hanging out, and all of a sudden, I'm talking to my sister who's in the kitchen. My sister Amber has five kids now. Yep, five kids. And she's hanging out, and uh, she, she's bouncing one of her babies on her hip, and then Emma is over reaching for the top of the you know when kids can like barely reach the top of a counter she's walking over and she's like reaching for the top of this counter and i lean over and i see this pink sippy cup on the top of the counter and so emma's reaching for it reaching for it reaching for it and she finally grabs it and right when she grabs it my sister amber turns around she goes no emma and she snatches it from emma and then turns around and walks towards the refrigerator and emma having tried so hard to get this sippy cup When she finally almost got it and then it got snatched, y'all, World War III would have been more tolerable than this moment, okay? Emma goes, like, wants something, wants something, wants something, doesn't get it. And then you know that moment of like brief silence that's the calm before the storm of a kid screaming? Emma goes like this. (laughs) Like just this like pterodactyl, terrible scream, cry, stomp. Like, just losing her ever-loving mind. And I'm sitting back just taking it all in, right? Good uncle, okay? And she's reaching for this sippy cup and Amber grabs the sippy cup and she goes, no, Emma, that's spoiled milk. And she goes, you don't want that. Trust me. And she takes it and she dumps it in the sink. She grabs a different sippy cup and opens up a fridge, you know, grabs the whole milk. And she's like talking to Emma this whole time. Like, Emma, trust me, you don't want that. She's pouring her a new thing, of whole milk. And she like closes the lid to the sippy cup and puts it back on the countertop. And it's like, here, Emma. But what's Emma still doing? (sighs) Losing her mind. Why? Because Emma wanted what Emma wanted, when Emma wanted it, how Emma wanted it. But Can you be real for me one second? You ever drank spoiled milk? It's the worst. Usually for me, you know what happens? It's like a late night bowl of cereal. And I pour that bowl of cereal. I grab the milk from the fridge. I pour it in there. I take one bite. And in that moment, it's like, this doesn't taste right. And then you gotta take the second bite to confirm, right? Like it's like, maybe it's late, like I don't really know. And you take that second bite and you're like, man, this, this really doesn't taste right. And I always go to the fridge and it's, then it's the smell test. You take the fridge out or you take the milk out of the fridge, you take the whole fridge out, okay? You take the, fridge, the, the milk out of the fridge, you unscrew that thing and you go, oh! Like it is just, it's the worst smell. And it's usually got those like chunkies on the top. Like, Nobody likes spoiled milk. It's the worst thing ever. So what's my sister trying to do? She's trying to protect her daughter. She's going, trust me, that's not what you want. I know you think you want that. I know that's what's right in front of you. I know that's what you think would satisfy you right now, but trust me, you don't want that. And as she turns back and gives her this gift, something that's better than what she wanted, Emma is completely blind to it. Why? Because it's what she wanted, when she wanted it, how she wanted it. Okay, we read in this story one more verse, okay, and here in Jonah chapter one, verse three. Okay, it says this, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for the port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Okay, if you're Tarshish, Nineveh geography is like a little bit rusty. Hey, let me help you out. Hey, Tarshish is modern day Turkey and Joppa is modern day Spain. Okay. Now, if your Turkey, Spain geography is a little bit rusty, totally fine, right? It's it's like this. Okay. It would be as if God came to Jonah and he said, Hey, I want you to head to Maine. I want you to go like, straight up to Maine, and w- I want you to go all the way to, to the end of Maine. I want you to preach the gospel up there. I want you to tell them about the good news. And he went, cool, gotcha. And he went towards Florida. Okay? This, is what, this is what we see in this book. This is what we see in this story. Jonah goes, cool, got it. And he heads the opposite direction. Okay, but here's what, here's what the reality is. When Jonah got to the dock, there were two boats at the dock. There was one headed for Tarshish or Maine. And there was another one that was headed towards Spain or Florida. And he went, there was kind of this option. There was this, this crossroads that existed there. And Jonah in that moment had a choice. Or Jojo in this moment had a choice. Do I go to the backyard or do I go to the front yard? Do I do what God has asked me to do? Do I walk in obedience to what he's asked of me? Or do I do my own thing? And the reality is, friends, you and I have the exact same crossroads, the exact same option day in and day out in our lives. See, Emma, my niece, when she chose what she wanted, how she wanted it, when she wanted it, despite my sister's actual love for her and desire for her to have something that's better, right, Emma had the same crossroads. Do I choose what my mom wants for me and what she's given me and what she's asking me to do or do I lose my ever-loving mind because I didn't get what I wanted? It's the same choice. It's the same crossroads. Jonah had a choice to make on which boat he wanted to get on and for him to do what he wanted when he wanted to do it, how he wanted to do it was the comfortable option. He was going towards Spain. He was going towards what made sense to him in the immediate moment and you and I do the same thing all the time but we deceive ourselves more often than not by going, well, making the decisions that I want to make, I'm not that bad. Right? We, can make, we can take a look around us, and we can always find somebody who's worse off than we are. Maybe their thoughts, words, actions, or attitudes, they're, they're slightly worse than mine, and I can go, well, I'm not that bad. I'm, I've, been, I've been going to church, I'm here at camp, I, I pay attention, I'm, I'm not doing that bad. But friends, when we think we aren't that bad, the problem is that we, we are also in the same breath declaring that God isn't that good. Because right? if I'm not that bad then he's not, and he's not that good, there's this gap between us that isn't that big of a deal. But what we see here is not only did the people of Nineveh have this sin in their lives, these thoughts, words, actions, and attitudes, and how do we know that? Because it says it in verse two. Right, the word of the Lord came to Jonah and he said, go and preach. Their wickedness has come up against me. So we see the sin of Nineveh. It's really obvious, but we also see in the very next verse, we see the sin of Jonah. His thoughts, words, actions, and attitudes, in this case, an action that went against God's design. Where did God ask him to go? Maine. And where did he go instead? Florida. He went, I'm going the opposite direction. But when we fool ourselves into thinking that they, the Ninevites, like the other people, those people, like they're that bad and I'm not that bad, then we immediately in the same breath say, God, isn't that good? See, as we close here this morning or this evening, I should say in California, it's still morning, right? It's like 12 hours that way. I'm just kidding. It's only like, what, two, three? Like jet lagged from three hours, okay? But as we close this evening, a little bit of my story. As you guys watch this, this opening drama, okay, I don't know if, what you thought about the front yard gnomes and the backyard gnomes, but when I watch this drama, and honestly, like if I'm sitting where you're sitting, and I look up on this stage, and I have to personally choose between the front yard and the backyard, I'm probably gonna choose the backyard. Why? The white fence is cool, the flowers are great, but I'm more of a flamingo and like graffiti kind of guy. Okay? And and when I watch the opener, when I watch this drama, as the, the front yards come out and they sing their song and they do their like mm, da, da, la, da, 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 whatever. And then I see the backyard nose come out and they got their Hawaiian shirts on and they did their cool like break dancing. They're like, you can get out of this yard. I'm like, ooh, like that, to be honest. Seems a little bit more fun to me. And and here's what I believe for for most of my life, friends. For most of my life growing up, I was fooled into thinking that to live a Christian life, to come to church, to read your Bible, to go to youth group, to sit in a conversation about the Bible or about what I was supposed to do, I kind of had to live this boring life. But what was promised to me at the end of a boring life because I was a church kid was heaven. And I looked out and I, lo- I, I watched a lot of my friends that I, that I played sports with growing up or I watched a lot of the people that I went to school with, like they weren't Christians, they, they didn't follow the Bible, they seemed to be having a lot more fun than I was having. Right? Sin is fun. If it's not, you're probably doing it wrong, okay? Like there's sin doing your own thing the way that you wanna do it, it's fun. And so I looked out at a lot of my friends living this life and having fun, and I went, man, they get to have way more fun than I have. But the reality is for people that are outside of the church, that aren't reading their Bibles, that aren't going to youth group, like the reality is, is that there's this real place called hell. And I said, went, well, man, heaven sounds a lot better than hell. And so I guess I choose boring life now with heaven at the end. I guess I'll choose the white picket fence and the flowers, because that gets heaven thrown in. Because I don't want to go to hell, and so I can't have fun, and I can't live this fun life. And what I missed was the reality of this story. What I missed was the truth of cover to cover, this isn't a story about what I have to do to get to God. It's a story about what God has done to get to me. It's a story about a God that pursues. It's a story about a God that in John chapter 10, verse 10, that said, if you want to live life and life abundant, if you want to live the true human experience and be fully satisfied and fully fulfilled in me, it's like my sister Amber Reaching for a fresh new glass of whole milk and handing it to her daughter going, trust me, this is what you want. But more often than not, friends, I want to choose my thoughts, my words, my actions, my attitudes. And I fundamentally lean on my own heart because my heart isn't aligned with God's heart. And it creates this sin problem in my life. And so tonight, as we just get started in this story, and we see that our heart isn't always aligned with God's heart, I hope it starts turning the wheels in your head of asking the questions of who is this God then? What is this book about? What is this story about? And if it's not just a story about what happened, but it's a story about what happens, can we start leaning into the fact that maybe there's more to this book then just do the right things and talk the right way and make sure you attend church. Maybe you'll learn earlier than I did that it's not just about living this boring life, that leaning in and understanding who this God is it can actually unlock a life that is life and life abundant. I'm stoked for this week. Hey, stop me and say hi. I'd love to learn as many of your names as possible. I wanna hear your story and where you're from. Hey, we flew all the way out here to come and hang out with you guys this weekend. Okay? So pray with me, and then we're going to dive into whatever's next. God, thanks for this weekend. God, thanks for the opportunity to, to be here, to le- lean into your word and to learn from you. God, thank you for, that you are a God that is alive, that we're not just reading about a God that acted once upon a time, but God, we can read more about you and understand that this is who you are today. Thank you that you are a God that pursues. God, may we be a people that lean in, that listen that see you. May we experience you this this weekend boldly. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.